This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing. So I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list. And from there, they contact your members and it's no high pressure sales or anything. And it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Cheryl Kilday. Cheryl is the president and CEO of Destination North Myrtle Beach formerly known as the North Myrtle Beach Chamber. Cheryl is an expert in destination marketing and management and has spent nearly her entire career working with membership-based organizations pursuing economic development. Prior to joining the team in North Myrtle Beach, Cheryl has worked in a similar capacity at organizations in Oregon, Vermont, and Washington State. Cheryl has earned the prestigious credential of Certified Destination Management Executive and has led three of the organizations she has worked with to earn certifications as destination management accredited. In North Myrtle Beach, they earned the accreditation with distinction. Destination North Myrtle Beach also successfully maintained their five-star accreditation through the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Cheryl and her husband, Tim, are enjoying living in North Myrtle Beach and are adjusting to being empty nesters. But Cheryl, I'm excited to have you with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber champions that are out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Yeah, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be here. It was funny when I saw that you were going to ask me to tell you something interesting about myself. I don't think I'm very interesting. Nobody and does. That's why I asked my coworkers, <laughs> what should I say? It was funny because um, my husband and I have zigzagged the country um, twice. So we started in the Northwest and moved to Virginia, and then we went back to the Northwest, and now we're here in South Carolina. And one of the things that all four of the communities that I've worked in, in the destination work that we've done, they're all very different, but they all have something in common. And that is um, they all have wine. 
And we were in the Willamette Valley before Oregon Pinot was really known for, um, you know, had the reputation it has today. So we started collecting wine many years ago now. And um, my coworker, Aaron, said, tell them that that's where you rest your Emmy. So I have, um, we have a little wine collection and that's where I um, rest my Emmy. Nice. <laughs> um, you may need to tell us a little bit more about that, about your Emmy. So. <laughs> you know, um, I guess it's been a while, but we um, we worked in um, Northern Virginia in Loudoun County and we put together a series of heritage videos and um, they aired on television. It was the first year that tourism related videos was something that the Emmys included in a category, but we were up against PBS stations and all sorts of other, um, you know, really great opportunities. And we actually won an Emmy for our series of um, of heritage um, videos that we did. That is awesome. See, that is something interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> it was so long ago, though. Like, right? Is it still relevant? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about Destination North Myrtle Beach, just to give us an idea of the scope of work, the size of your organization, budget, staff, that sort of thing, to kind of set the table yeah. for our discussion. So it really starts with our community. You know, we have 22,000 households in North Myrtle Beach and less than 10,000 of those are permanent residents. So we are absolutely a tourism destination on any given day. Visitors outnumber our residents um, probably two to one on the slow times of the year and really uh, significantly over the peak season, the Memorial Day to Labor Day. So we are um, both the tourism organization as well as the Chamber of Commerce. And in South Carolina, that's a pretty common model. We have seven full-time employees and one um, part-time. And we have a contract with our city for the majority of our funding, which is a tourism promotion. And then we have about 650 members um, that um, are dues paying. And we have um, a budget overall of about 3.2 to 3.5 million. All right. We describe so ourselves as small and mighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you guys you see a lot of traffic there through North Myrtle Beach, and uh, with the team this size, and you guys are, are doing a lot of work carrying a, yeah. a big load. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, for our topic for today, we've settled around the idea of talking about destination master plans. So we'll uh, we'll get into that conversation, what that means, how you guys are approaching that work, and everything as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. 
please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Attention all Chamber of Commerce leaders, are you looking for a powerful tool to help you manage your chamber? Look no further than Chamber Nation. Their comprehensive platform provides all the features you need to streamline membership management, host events, communicate with your members, and provide amazing services to your members. Plus, their expert team is always available to provide personalized support. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your chamber to the next level at a price you will truly appreciate. Visit richardscalendar.com to learn more about Chamber Nation today. Howdy, it's me, Donna from Yifty again. Today we get to hear from Christine in upstate New York about her Shop 716 community card program. She was able to use sponsorship funds for a generous buy one, get one program that benefits her whole county. Hi, this is Christine Langenfeld with the Amherst Chamber of Commerce located in Buffalo, New York. We have partnered with Yifty on our Shop 716 e-gift card program that has been incredibly, incredibly impactful for our small businesses. So happy to have incorporated this program in our Shop Local initiative here in Western New York. I highly recommend them and give them a chance to show what they can do. Thanks, Christine. So folks, check us out at yifty.com and sign up for a demo or shoot us an email at sales at yifty.com. All right, Cheryl, we're back. So as I mentioned before the break, we're talking today about destination master plans. So talk to us about what is what do you see? Is it a destination master planned and kind of the melding between a destination organization and a chamber organization, how all that fits together. You know, destination master plans are uh, becoming more common and it really is the culmination of looking at how all the different organizations in a community can intersect and share a purpose and vision for a long-term um, plan for the community. So you know, it's different from a marketing plan or a strategic plan. It's different from a comprehensive plan that a community municipality may be required to have, but they do leverage off of each other. And so what um, what we've been working to do is really concentrate with four guiding principles um, to look at what we wanted to do as a community. And we've used a quote from Warren Buffett quite a bit where he talks about how somebody is sitting in the shade today because somebody a long time ago planted the tree. And, and so we use that as part of the starting point because we worked really um, focused on aligning what the residents care about and what they see for a long-term. We've been a rapidly growing community over the last few years and there's some pushback on that. Um, what does the business community need? How do we make sure that we've got a thriving and sustainable economy? What are we doing to help the environment and the place that we live as things are changing? And then looking at um, the visitor experience, because we are built on a tourism economy. So we have to also look at that part of our community. So using those guiding principles, we've come up with um, some areas where we really feel like we can connect um, and align all of those interested organizations and individuals to share in um, how to make a destination master plan come to fruition. 
Right. So you had mentioned how it's different than a strategic plan or a community vision. And I see a destination master plan can be a component of those things as you have a greater community vision or as a, a chamber, if you've got tourism responsibilities, having that be part of that strategic plan, but yeah. having that specific focus on, on the destination and, and being able to align some of those resources and, and see where that crossover is to really you know, make it a win-win all across right. the community. And part of that is defining roles, right? Because, you know, you've got a chambers in many communities, the, uh, there might be a sports commission and a tourism entity that's separate. You've got regional governments, you've got local governments, you've got so many different places to intersect. And I think it really helps when you have a, um, a destination master plan because it, devi- it defines who leads and what the role of our organization is. Because sometimes we're an advocate, sometimes we're a partner, sometimes we're support, and sometimes we're the leader. And so the destination master plan and the implementation strategy, we're putting together a workforce to really look at that and make sure that we're defining and 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 have agreement on who are those leaders, conveners, you know, advocates, that sort of thing, so that we aren't stepping on each other, but we're also um, you know, agreeing that, yes, this is in our wheelhouse and we'll take the lead on this. So um, so that's one of the first steps. We just got our master plan literally last week oh, from wow. our consulting team. So we're just in that um, Talk about good timing of looking at that implementation <laughs> strategy and how to make it work. All right. So I think that's an important aspect to, to consider is the defining of roles. And as you mentioned, sometimes there's, you know, individuals at the city level or within a chamber, or maybe the tourism is different than the chamber. Um, Whose role is it to define the roles? And how do you say, this is what we'll do. This is what you do. I'm, I'm sure it's a convening of minds and being able to hash through some of that, but how did it work for you guys? Right. We had a very inclusive process in developing our master plan. We did 12 um, subject matter expert um, um, groups. Uh, They're like focus groups where they met with the consulting team. We had 25 community leaders, both elected officials, public officials, and business leaders. We had some resident HOA um, type leaders as well. So we had 25 interviews. We had uh, community um, town halls twice. We had um, a resident survey and we ran that twice. And for a community with, you know, less than 20,000 permanent residents, we had about 4,000 people respond to our resident survey. And our consulting team gave us a comparison that when LA did a similar study, they had a thousand and thought it was a great response. So I mean, we really had overwhelming participation throughout our, our development. And because it was so inclusive, um, we really feel like we, we've got a good sense of the pulse of where the, um, the enthusiasm, the concerns, the shared opportunities are. Right. So I'm always curious when I hear a chamber organization talk about reaching out to residents and citizens, first of all, a lot of the, the common people in a, in a community have no idea what a chamber of commerce does. So how do you go about soliciting those, those surveys and responses in a way that, that warranted such a, a great outcome, such a great return? Well, we, we literally um, talked about that we were going to do this destination master plan every chance we got, and we have reached out to the HOAs to try to get them involved. And we actually had 
a steering committee that still exists and one of the um, bigger HOAs is involved in it, which then also gives her access to work the network of HOA leaders. So that was, I think that was really valuable. I also, we use social media and there are a lot of, um, a lot of Facebook groups that, you know, I love Cherry Grove. I love Ocean Drive. You know, we've got um, four different, very distinct beaches here. And so those, you know, each one has a group and there's a lot of different um, face, Facebook um, opportunities. And so we use boosted posts to really advertise the um, the idea of this. We actually did some billboards and we did radio and TV and just really tried to let people know that we were doing it and that we cared about their, the, their um opinions, we really shared those guiding principles and the importance of aligning with residents because resident quality of life is really important to us. And, you know, if we're doing, if, if our community is becoming overrun with visitors, that doesn't help the visitor experience or the resident experience. And so to be honest about that and invite that as part of the conversation, I think mattered. Right. So this, for this next question, I'm not going to pretend that you're the expert on the topic necessarily. I'd love to get your perspective, although not an S- expert, you do have an Emmy. So I think it carries some weight, <laughs> but um, <laughs> as a chamber's listening, what would, from your perspective, having gone through this, you know, creating a destination master plan, when would be the right time for a community to consider or to really explore the idea of creating a specific destination master plan? Yeah. For us, we actually started exploring the idea of doing it um, in our last strategic plan. It, it, it emerged and we're, we're about a year behind on working on it because of COVID. So um, I know a lot of communities use COVID to sort of regroup and think about what they wanted to do. And so for some of them, as they're emerging from COVID, that might be a really good time. For us, it was we were crazy busy during COVID and really didn't have the same experience as all other communities because people wanted to go to the beach. We have so many second homeowners. If you're going to be shut down, would you rather be shut down in a condo in an urban setting or at the beach? So we actually saw <laughs> Good a, <point>. really, <laughs> a really busy um, COVID period, which had a whole different set of, of issues. But um, I think every community has to kind of think about when is this opportunity right for us? How do we gain that trust and access to the residents to be um, to be really thoughtful about the inclusive factions and and how to bring them together to build trust. So we worked on um, we worked on a resident campaign during COVID because they were really upset with how busy we were. And so we really worked on saying, you know, we understand, we hear you. We are being accountable to you, and this is what we are doing because we were not advertising to, for people to come during COVID. We were actually advertising on how to travel safely because we wanted them to know we cared about people bringing things here and creating other issues. So we actually worked really closely with our residents and used that time frame to help build trust and that they knew that we heard them and felt the same way that we were not just about a bottom line, we were about people. And um, and so then the timing worked for us to go ahead and, and develop the destination master plan um, after that. And um, But I think if we had tried to do it during when that was originally the timeframe and because we were open, we could have, but it was the wrong time. So I think that if you look around and say, okay, is this the right time? What else is our community addressing? Is that, 
supported by the de development of a master plan or is it better to, to wait and do it at another time? Another factor for us is that our city is required in South Carolina to do a comprehensive plan over so many years and every five years they have to refresh it. And 2023 is the year they have to refresh it. And so our master plan becomes a tool for them because they've been very involved in this. And so it actually has an opportunity to utilize some of that and have fewer surveys or their own public meetings. It kind of shortens some of the things that they need to do that are already addressed in the destination master plan. Right. I didn't even think of that with North Myrtle Beach being a, a drivable destination for a lot of people during COVID when you know, it was a little sketchy to get on an airplane or to do certain types of travel that they could hop in their car and still have that vacation experience, be at the beach and everything and outdoors and be safe. That really is a key for being able to drive, you know, success through co-SA success right. in, in terms of, you know, high yeah. traffic with visitors. We had a Wall Street Journal at, journal um, journalist ask us, so you know, aren't you worried everybody's, you know, coming to the beach? And I said, okay, so have you been to our beach? Because we have nine miles of wide open beaches. So even if we have a hundred thousand people here, they're not all going to be crowded up together and they're not all going to be at the beach at the same time. They were living here, working remotely. Their students, you know, in their households were learning remotely and they were being careful. I mean, we really, we really as a community didn't have, you know, these, um, some of the crisis that some communities had, but we were able because, you know, golf and the beach are two of the big outdoor activities here. People were able to do that safely. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious as far as, so now you have this destination master plan together. Um, what do the action items look at it or how do you go about executing on the, this master plan? Yeah, that's now we're at that stage of, wow, we've got this plan. So, you know, our goals um, identified in the plan, there's four key areas. And then those guiding principles that sustainability, quality of, of life, um, the visitor experience and all of that, those are all in each of these goals. Like one of them, and I'm just going to take one, is to improve accessibility and connectivity. So that's trails, that's um, you know, becoming an autism friendly community and making sure that our hospitality and public amenities have been trained on what that means and are ready for that, that we're accessible to all types of travelers. We've got some great adaptive surfing here that does that, but what else, you know, what's, what's consumer facing and how can we make sure that that, not just for visitors, but for residents is connected and accessible and all the things that that looks like. So now we're looking at that implementation plan and looking at what are those specific projects and what's short-term, mid-term, and long-term. Because we're really, this is a 10-year plan. It's not something we have to knock off in three years. Otherwise, it would be very overwhelming. But um, but we're really just putting that workforce, um, that cross-functional work group together to, to address um, the timing of those. Are the, Is this realistic? Is this how are we going to fund it? How does the queue work? Um, what's ready? What's the most ready? You know, I, I think it's great when you receive a plan from a consulting team, they don't live here <laughs> and they, you know, they can go home, but now we, we live here and we're like, okay, what do we do? And I think there's a certain value of adding in sort of a readiness model is uh, what are these that are the most ready 
and are they the right ones at the at the right time? And if we queue things up so we're not competing against ourselves to try to get things done, um, how does that work? So at our executive committee meeting yesterday, we agreed that we're going to reorganize that implementation plan that they gave us and give us some different colors and add in a couple of columns about some of those kinds of likelihood types of things is funding available. And I mean, that's really important because it may be aspirational to have some of those things shorter term, but they might be more appropriate midterm if there's some funding mechanisms that need to be secured first. Right. So I think it's important to mention that, or to reiterate maybe that you had said this is a 10-year plan. So it's not like things are happening overnight, like it gives you time or runway to get some of these things done. But along that 10-year timeline, how often do you guys reconvene and kind of, you know, check the pulse on the progress and and maybe correct course where needed and to be able to keep you on that target? Well, I think that we're planning to keep it top of mind in our organization with a separate budget item, as well as um, a reporting mechanism. So we've got a um, a communications plan that we're putting together to be accountable for being the shepherds of this plan, so to speak. And um, and we'll actually include some community um, campaigning going along as we go to make sure that they stay engaged with this. And so having said that, we are just, like I said, we just got this plan last week, an implementation strategy. We're going to start meeting, I believe, um, shortly with the city and our cross-functional group. And then I anticipate that at the beginning, they'll meet monthly and then probably get to a quarterly. And then we'll probably have a separate reporting out every year so that there's a shared annual report on what we, we the collective of who's got specific roles in the plan um, have some sort of shared output that would be on our website. And ideally the city would find a place to put on their website and some of the other partners as well. Right. That's that's good. So before we start wrapping up here, I wanted to see, is there anything that we're missing as far as going through the, the process of creating a destination marketing plan that should be considered that maybe we haven't touched on yet in our conversation? Yeah. I think, I mean, one of the things that I know that we're dealing with since we've seen this implementation strategy is really making sure that you're, that we're all positioned for success, right? Because there are some things that we're going to be able to knock off pretty easily and making sure that those are the things that are in the short-term part of your plan, but you have to make sure that you have a dose of realism. And um, so funding is one of the first things that we're going to be talking about is making sure that we've got the right kind of funding mechanism. Our dollars are very restricted for the tourism use. And there's things that we need to do that we can't do with the existing funding mechanism. And so how do we tackle that? And so, um, and I would say that for all of us, it's not about money, it's about programming and results that we want. And when you define what that is, then you figure out how how the funding supports it. But if you start by saying, I need X number of dollars, then people are like, well, what are you going to do with those dollars? Mm-hmm. So if you start by answering that question first, we think that that will help the funding conversation not be about, oh, we need money. It's like we need to um, figure out how to make these things possible. Right. I think that's a really good point. Um, so as we do start wrapping up here, I wanted to ask if you would have any tip or action item that you'd like to share for any chamber champions listening who are interested in taking their chamber up to the next level, what would you offer them? Yeah, I think 
whether it's a destination master plan or just making sure that you're really well versed in what the comprehensive plan is and what organizations are out there that have a plan and have you ever sat down and just kind of asked everybody where you can find that way of supporting one another. You know, I worked in another community where we didn't do a destination master plan, but we worked on a shared community vision and we sat down with all the different organizations and understood each other. And that helped prevent program creep, but it also helped them be advocates for us and we could advocate for them. And so there's certainly ways to accomplish some of the things that Destination Master Plan does with just having some of those really great um, opportunities for working together. And um, years ago, a gentleman that we worked with used the term, um, we all need to be readily available with our coalitions and alliances. And you develop those relationships when there's no threat and you build trust and awareness and appreciation so that when you need somebody, you can call on them. You don't wait until you need something to try to develop the relationship. I'd, I'd heard a quote before, and I can't remember who said it, but uh, I'm going to claim it as mine now. But it's uh, <laughs> you dig your well before you're thirsty, right? So right. you got to do put in that the hard work ahead of time before you actually need something. So building those relationships understanding what people, you know, other organizations do. And then, you know, as you need something from each other, you know where to go and you have that trusted relationship that's been built over time. And it's not just coming with the need in the moment saying, I'm thirsty, you know, help me. You know, they're like, I don't know you. So <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great tip. So I like asking everyone I have on the show, as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chamber and their, of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Yeah. I think that alignment with residents is changing in our country. Uh, I think people expect to be heard and that the balance of um, business need and resident needs. So I, I know we've worked to personify business instead of making it seem like we just care about bottom, care about bottom lines, that those are people. Um, we learned that during COVID that pe the residents were feeling like the, the city was only concerned about keeping business open and they didn't care about the residents. And so we talked about who those businesses are, not what they are, but who they are. And, you know, that, that bartender or that accountant or whoever that person is in the community has a face. And so we really try to give businesses a face. And I think that that is going to continue. I think people found their voice, residents found their voice during some of those, um, you know, you look at whether it's civil unrest or um, violence or um, COVID, there's been a lot of, of ways where people have found a voice in our country. And I think we've had, as chambers have to hear that and find those areas where we can reach out and make sure that we're building alliances with that resident so that we can align and have a successful community. Yeah. And I think in the, the world today with all the social media platforms that are out there, it makes it a lot easier to put a face on these businesses, right? Instead of just yes. looking at a list of business names that are members of your organization, you can, you know, be friends with them on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever they're on and uh, really get to know who they are, what's important to them. You know, what's their family life look like? What are they doing when they're not? you know, at, yeah. you know, styling hair or serving you dinner or whatever it may be. So right, I, right. I think that's a, a great way of looking to the future and, and really making sure that, that we're listening to the, the, the residents and the business owners in the communities. That's right. Um, 
Well, Cheryl, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who are listening, who want to maybe reach out to you and learn more about creating a destination master plan or just more how you guys are doing things there in North Myrtle Beach. What would be the best way for someone to reach out and connect with you? The email is always the best way to reach me, and that's um, C Kilday. So it's K I L D A Y at destinationnmb.com. All right. And I will get that in our show notes for this episode as well. So people can pull that up and, and reach out and connect with you. But I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I know this is a, a new thing for you guys there in North Myrtle Beach, but to be able to be a little bit vulnerable in the process and how you guys set it up and and how you're looking forward on executing on this, this new destination uh, master plan. So thank you for, for sharing this experience and insights with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. Thank you very much. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a Chamber Podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.